0: Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Julieta Televi, and joining me this evening to take your questions are Graham Koerner from Koerner Perspective and Kailetu Nodada from Old Mutual Investments. If you'd like to send those questions to us, please SMS 41392. You can email Stockwatch at bdtv.co.ca or tweet us at Business Day TV using the hashtag Stockwatch. Kailetu, Graham, nice to see you both here this evening. Uh, Kailetu, if I may start with you, it was. Um, a predictably horrible day for the markets, given that uh, the the collapse that actually we saw take place in NASPAS and process shares, and there's about four questions already this evening. So let's just go straight into them. Um, Firstly, um, okay, let me ask you firstly, if you think that was overdone, given that the the reference point was Tencent and Alibaba and Tencent was down about 11%. So why was this that much more uh, of a sell-off in the South African market?
1: So, um, good evening, Julieta, and to your listeners. Um, So from our side, uh, we don't think that was um, overdone, um, actually, because if you take the year-to-date performance of Tencent, that's down about 50-odd percent. Uh, NASPERS is is down, NASPERS and Process, I'll use those interchangeably, is down about 40% year to date. But if you take the NASPERS and Process shares in dollars, the return versus uh, 10 cents from when the share buyback was announced, um, NASPERS and Process have actually outperformed 10 uh, cents over that period. And when you look at that and you're saying there's actually an over... Overhang in China and all the China tech shares, because it's not just a 10 cent issue. Yeah. Um, then you see that um, there's possibly more to come, um, and that's what the market is pricing in.
0: I mean, Graham, I suppose to some extent, uh, well, to a large extent, NASPAS and process were propped up. By uh, their management's decision to buy back shares, <laughs> um, so, which would, I guess, partially explain the outperformance. But what, one of the questions that has come through from a viewer he says, with China stocks now trash, <laughs> so firstly, I don't know if you agree with that, is it worth holding the Satrix China ETF, NASPASS, and Process?
2: Um, so uh, let, let's just maybe first chat about China. Um, Obviously uh you know Xi Jinping achieved the exactly what he wanted. He's he's got a third term um and has padded the the Politburo with uh, insiders. So basically what he says goes from, from here on out, and I think you can almost say he'll probably be president for life. Um the question that everybody is grappling with is 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 he now turning a hard line? Is he becoming very inward looking? Um, And effectively, is growth going to stall? And the answer to the question, maybe, well, yeah, possibly. But I I doubt it, because he's he's walked a specific path for, for, let's call it a decade. Um, I don't think that he's going to do a radical departure from this, because ultimately that will cause the Chinese economy and society to implode. But um, make no mistake, it's going to be bumpy. So I would say no um and you know we're right there with your viewer because we also bought some some china trackers although pivoted a little bit towards others where we felt there was maybe uh less sort of tech and and banking but i would hold on to them i still believe that if you took a 20-year 30-year view uh china versus the us china versus europe it's, it's a no-brainer and then um on last and process i would say um I think the hypothesis is still sound. I have no doubt that there will be some, you know, uh, a scalpel will be taken to them. But ultimately, those companies are very important for Chinese society to go forward. So mm. I think the sell-off may be a little overdone. I'm not saying, you know, it's a great buy today, but I think yeah. the, the excess sell-off in nice person process, remembering they've got other things, I would say is probably a little over overdone.
0: Yeah, Okay, well, I think you've answered the one viewer's question, but Kai, let, let's get your view. And so, the last uh, viewer question on this whole issue is, um, and they were referring to the Nasdaq actually been up uh, compared to um, the, the China tech stocks. And their question was, does this mean that the future of tech is now ex-China? So Graham says no, and uh, you know you've got this colossal population in China, and I, I don't think you would have a leader that would opt for. Um, economic, uh, I suppose, reversals in economic gains. What's your view?
1: Yeah, so I do agree with Graham that I don't think the future is ex-China tech stocks. Taking a, a, a further stab at the outcomes of the party Congress, there were no announcements, perhaps the market expected announcements, on any potential stimulus and any... Uh, sort of regulation going forward so there is a reaction up front because of the absence of that and any um announcement on COVID zero and when that will start uh, to be relaxed and or eased so the market is a bit jittery on growth prospects and when that comes back but it's make no mistake i don't think china is becomes ex-growth because of this decision i actually think in our view we look at china and we're saying when the announcements start to come out, we need to just keep track of that um, that the growth does come back. Agree that I don't think these companies disappear in terms of growth. Perhaps it's slowing growth rather than no growth. Um, I mean, the past if you look at these over the past 20 years, these companies have done exceptional, exceptional growth, and the market has continued uh, to uh, price them for that growth, and now you're seeing some of that pull back. And it's a bit jittery, but I don't think it's uh, the, 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 that the Xi Jinping will then suddenly decide that um, he'll regulate to the extent that there's no more growth yeah. from these companies.
0: Okay, maybe just one last question. And uh, what the, the question that I have in my mind is whether or not, you know, everyone is always wanting stimulus from China. And stimulus um, has resulted in all these terrible, wasteful projects and these ghost towns that millions of people could inhabit, and you have and property disasters like Evergrande. So, stimulus is not necessarily, I would think, what we should actually wish for. Um, G- Graham, if if maybe Xi Jinping thinks the same, or maybe they realize that all the stimulus that's been applied to the Chinese economy in the last ten years has actually had all these kind of perverse incentives and has resulted in, in, in total sort of Uneconomic outcomes, and they pull back on that. Does that still? How does that maybe square into your future vision of China? Uh, hopefully, I've asked that in not too roundabout a way.
2: No, I, I, I agree, and I think that's the you know that's the the ten trillion one question because um, <laughs> the you know from my point of view I agree with you. I think everybody wants but because the patient you know we've been we've been so dependent on stimulus that we want to see these telephone number infrastructure programs and um you know the almost the the moral hazard assumed by by the chinese um central authorities but i think we've seen that with the with the popping of the, the property bubble um and some debt that's gone to the wall that um That's not the right way to engineer it. So I think exactly to your point, stimulus is one thing, but, you know, you can't just keep, you know, giving blank checkbooks to to uh, regional agencies and municipalities and departments and say, well, do your own thing. Um, I think it's got to be more organized. And and, I mean, you you could you can see it. The Chinese economy is growing up. It's becoming more consumer driven. It's becoming more internal demand driven. More services, you know. So I think that's probably where the tilt needs to needs to be, and I think that's where it ultimately will be. Because I agree with you, you just keep throwing money at the problem, then you get, you know, you get wasteful expenditure, and you create debt problems uh, at the centre and in the provinces and, and
0: regionally. And just Kyle, little last comment there. Then, that, with that tie to your thesis, uh, you know, services companies would then be found in the tech sphere. Presumably, those two things are almost kind of, I don't know about interchangeable, but um, could that give you some comfort if you were investing in a a China ETF?
1: Looking at the the reaction from, I suppose it was just one day uh, from the progress, I mean, party Congress, I mean, if you take a longer term view, this could easily have been um, one of the biggest buying opportunities (laughs) into uh, the companies that you do like. I mean, uh it's often said that um with chaos there are opportunities that uh come about and with the lower clarity at this point in terms of what's going to happen next with the party congress and what xi jinping will do to stimulate uh we can also we can all make assumptions in terms of uh will the stimulus package look like this or look like that ultimately will it actually result in economic growth and some recovery from where uh, the chinese economy is uh, then that's where you you need to take a longer-term perspective and say, there are some opportunities within the Chinese uh, economy and this is how you can take exposure. We have that debate uh, ongoing, um, especially today, I guess, <laughs> um that's what, what does China look like three yeah. to five years out.
0: Okay. All right. Well, I suppose none of us know the answer to that. You can only make uh, informed assumptions. Um, there's a question, I mean, a go and going from nutpas and process to Renogen. Uh, we haven't spoken about it in a while, maybe because uh, to some extent some of the air has come out of the share. Um, and the question is, at these levels, would you buy it or should we wait a bit more? And I presume this person is waiting for a bit more of a decline. Graham, it got very overheated. I mean, sorry, I mean, these are terrible kind of probably non-helium-related puns. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> no. yeah but but there was a lot of excitement Renogen were putting a lot of uh, out a lot of uh, SEND statements, and they've gotten quite quiet actually recently. I don't know if one should read in, in anything into that or if it was simply that the share price just got ahead of itself What, what, what do you think
2: yeah Julieta, but well, I think we must also see it in in context you know so over three months um I think they're down twenty percent, and that sounds awful but you know let's look at the backdrop in the market over the last three months so um but of course anything that's highly highly um highly geared to markets that that's sort of the growth story or the or the darling and is offering a lot of promise clearly those stocks as you've seen in tech in in the us i mean i if memory serves we're probably over forty forty five 45 percent down on a year to date on the nasdaq so i think it, it tells you that that sort of risk off button has been hit really hard, yeah. and you would imagine companies like Renogen would then obviously uh, come off. I mean, just to give you a, um, a, 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 another perspective, um, a little while back, we bought into a, a renewables company called Brookfield Renewables, which is Canadian-based, and that thing has also lost 20% over the last few few months. So. You know, that's the that's the context. But I, I don't really know the, the Renogen story, but I think it's you know it's often a case of people get very excited, they get excited by the new tech, they get excited by the by the, the prospects of the business. Now it starts having to deliver. I think that's that probably the phase we are we are entering. And then, you know, putting out exciting sends and doing investor presentations doesn't really help anymore. Then the market actually wants to see uh, earnings and you know, in due course dividends as well.
0: Yeah, Kylie, do, um do you think that they, if that is the case, and we're we're in the post-excitements, um, hard yards phase, that actually there would be a further decline in Rendition's share price?
1: Yeah, uh, only thing I'd add uh, to what uh, Graham has just said is, with this execution comes risk, and with these kind of projects, you need to think about the capital that's gonna be required um, to execute. And keeping that in mind, I mean, I felt for quite a long time that I'd missed out on the Renegent story um, as I started picking up and uh, following the uh, investor presentations, Uh, incredibly exciting story. And it's just, as it comes down to execution phase, uh, it's looking at it and saying, how much capital will it need to execute and actually realize uh, all the prospects that have been spoken about. So I wouldn't add much more to that.
0: Just, I mean, do you think they would go to the market now to raise capital? Presumably not.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, eventually, if you haven't got the cash in the bank to do the deal, you either go and knock on your friendly banker's doors or you, you tap into the capital markets. And, um, you know, with, with projects like this, there'll obviously be some funding. But I think to the point that was just made, um you know these projects are are expensive, um, and yeah. So I think, and I, you know Juliet on a completely separate track. Um, you know, one Logics is in the process of delisting, <clears throat> and uh, if you look at it, I don't think they've tapped the capital market in which they are listed once in twenty years. So eventually, you say, well, you know, if you're not using the listing, then you, you, yeah. you know, why even be there? So. Um, yeah, but I think the reality of it is that um, there's obviously a sensible, sensible amount of debt, um, and the bankers may be a little more reluctant today than they were, say, six months ago. But um, you've got to you got to structure these deals intelligently because you don't want to put too much debt in because you know maybe that hockey stick is just a little bit longer and a little bit deeper than you think. Mm. Um, yeah, okay. so I think I think you should be tapping into capital markets when when the time is right, especially when you you know, when you're on a really lofty price and uh, you're really just selling
0: profits. Hey do I don't know if you've looked at a company called CA Sales. It was one of the offshoots from the PSG Group um, came to market Um, and, uh, you know, small little niche player. Um, The question is, would you kindly ask your panel about the merits of an investment in the company? So firstly, uh, was this a company that caught your eye when when PSG Group uh, spun it out?
1: Um, unfortunately not, uh, Julieta. I haven't actually taken a, a look at that. And I suppose what did um, uh, catch my eye with the PSG uh, unbundling, it was um, Stadio and, and Curo. And then, in particular, we, on our side, we like AdverTech. We like the education um, story, uh, long-term uh, private education versus public education, the demand and filling out um, that capacity. We like that. But I didn't take a look at um, CA sales.
0: Yeah, I mean it's quite niche, uh, uh, Graham. The, the problem is it came to market. So as you can see from that chart there, and I don't think it's very readily traded. Sort of 14, 15 rand. It's now dribbled all the way back down to five rand, and came up with the results that were very good. I thought recently the CEO seems to be very ambitious about their growth potential and prospects. Um, so I uh, sort of, do you think it's just not? Enough of a known name to investors, or, or are there some other reasons why its share price is essentially um, a, th- a third of what it was when it came um, to the market?
2: Well, again, I, I, I sort of say rinse and repeat what I was saying earlier. The market has been nothing short of, of awful. So <laughs> a lot of a lot of companies, uh, you know, over the last three months, six months, a year, have had an awful performance. In fact, if you look it's It's really quite depressing how many you know household names are not much higher than they were ten years ago yeah um, you know so I think that's the that's the backdrop, but you know I don't know the company well, but um, you know if they've got a if they've got a good product suite of of fmcg um, and there's something different about them, obviously there was something in them that's that the the very astute PSG team liked. Um, If they've got a good portfolio, then you say, you know what, the fact that you were born into an awful market, uh, there's nothing you can do about it. You just carry on doing what you're doing, you know, run your businesses as well as you possibly can. And I mean, I take a company like Cup, which is a business that we like. It's obviously quite a bit bigger, very different. But, you know, that's exactly what they're doing. I think they're less worried about the share price and... um, and they're just getting on with business. So yeah. I think that, yeah, I, I, but I don't follow them enough to to really comment on, on the current price action.
0: Okay. Um, what about Ultron? Kailetu, um, they came out with results today. They seemed very good. Revenues up double digits, headline earnings doing very well. They are a smaller company after the, you know, the and bundling. And the question is, why did the shares react negatively on, on the positive uh, results? Any Any thoughts?
1: I'm going to echo what Graham has said just about how depressing the market has been (laughs) uh, here today. But I mean, I took a look at the Ultron numbers, operationally really good numbers uh, across all the divisions, Uh, good dividends, very well uh, positioned balance sheet as well. I thought about uh, Ultron from when I started looking at it five years, six years ago, when um Ignati, the previous CEO, um, came out of the strategy. I think it was 251, double EBITDA um, over five years, uh, and B1 Ultron, and dispose of non core assets, uh, focus the business into future fit and future forward businesses, and transformed it into a, a very, very good business uh, in our view. And um, today's numbers were good numbers. Don't actually uh, know why the share price was quite as negative, but today has been. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of our Tencent and and NASPERS and process, pretty much. Uh,
0: Just to keep with you, Kailetu, and then, Graham, I'll go to you. Um, Would you, on the basis of the numbers that were released and where the share price is trading, would you actually buy Ultron? Would you double down on, on, you know, if if you like this company and and you think the results are decent?
1: Yeah, uh, from from my side, I I would, I would, um, I think of, the, the numbers in terms of in themes, the themes are quite positive. It's coming, it's operating and it's doing quite well uh, going forward. And in terms of the returns you can get from, from where it's trading, I think uh, just on today there'd be an opportunity to add, <laughs> wouldn't we'll necessarily double down. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and that's just on the back of defensive, just sort of cyclical. It's, 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 quite, a, it's quite a a theme um, in the markets at the moment.
0: Yeah. Graham do you take a look at Ultron? I mean, are there any particular parts of the business that you very much like, or alternatively dislike?
2: No, I, I mean the one that I that I didn't like was was Bytes, um, because I think it was, you know, it was just incorrectly positioned. Um, but it, I think everything that was said is exactly right. You know, it's a it's a good business. It was repositioned. Um, a lot of hard work was done, and they in they're in some exciting exciting areas. Um, you know, I suppose the the comparative earnings are pretty low but if you take you know if you double 34 cents um, you're coming out a, li- a pe of a little over 12 um, yeah but again I think the defense of what what was just said is I mean I think out of out of the sort of tech industrial uh, you know quasi tech space this to me is probably the, the from an SA point of view the most predictable and the the most defensive and you saw today that that in in Europe the the defensive did fantastically well. So mm. the tobacco stocks, the brewing stocks, even some of the, the the banks. So you really do get the feeling that the market is, is sort of tilting very, very heavily towards higher high yielding, higher dividend yielding um, uh, stocks. But I think a business like this, although it's sort of, you know, in everybody's mind, they're busy with stuff and they are sort of in not cutting edge, but they're sort of more more technology driven. People have a maybe somewhat of an irrational fear about it. But I think it's a it's a good business and I, I personally don't think it's going to hurt you.
0: Okay. I mean, talking about uh, yielding a- assets, there's a question on um, the 10-year government bonds. So um, the yield is now 11%. Is it a buy now with a view to sell in a year or two and make a massive capital gain uh, when interest rates drop? Kailetu, um, do you think everyone's looking at this thinking yeah this is the trade or is it not going to be that obvious
1: most certainly i think everybody is looking at that i got a one of my colleagues um comes to me almost every day i looked at the small cap portfolio and he says to me kaya why (laughs) why are you not buying more bonds etc etc so we do we do like it we do think essay bonds are 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 we in our world it's a positive theme and and they and they well priced and uh, we do think there's an opportunity there um, over the medium term, I guess.
0: Graham, I mean, so so would it be a sort of a, a double whammy benefit? In other words, you buy off the yield, and then if interest rates drop, as hopefully they do, then you make a capital gain on um, – I mean, do you think it's a bit of a no-brainer?
2: No, not really. I think the yield pickup makes sense, but the point is that that, you know, government, South African government bonds have been over 10% for some time. If you look at what inflation has done over the period and what cash has has done, you know, you've doubled your your cash yield and bonds have moved up maybe a hundred bips, if you want to call it that, thereabouts. So um, yeah, they look, they look attractive relative to cash and we'll see what our, our, what our finance minister delivers. I mean, everybody's expecting a a revenue overrun courtesy of a bit of a boom in, in commodities um but i think the the outlook is not great you know you've got the public sector unions demanding 10% we know how this you know play plays out but the the reality of it is you've got to take a macro view on on south africa and um you know for me if you could buy a south african bank uh on a dividend yield of say 6% or you know let's call it 6% um and you you comparing that with a, a a government bond at 11 i'd much rather take the the uh, the high yielding bank equity uh, quite frankly, so um, the other thing of course is is you know if 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 rates come down a little bit over let's say the next three or four years you 're not going to make a massive capital gain because your modified duration obviously is going to erode quite quickly, so um, you know if you really want to be bullish on south African bonds, you I think you would go further out on the yield curve. But I think you're taking your life into your hands, frankly, <laughs> trying to make a capital gain. <laughs> okay. um, if you want the yield, then go and play play yield. But um, I, I wouldn't be trying to trying to call the the, the yield curve because, um, okay. you know, I think the governor of the Reserve Bank has been talking a tough story for a
1: while.
0: Yeah. So, Kaya, is that what you tell your colleague when he comes and says, "Hey, Kaya, why don't you buy more <laughs> bonds?" Is that what you say to him? Or her
1: incidentally, <laughs> I tell them, buy BTI, buy banks You you'll make all the all the yield you want there.
0: <laughs> okay, well, I'm glad to see you're both in agreement. Um, so get into your stock picks in this awful, horrendous, horrible market. Um, Kyle, let what's what would you buy uh, now, and I suppose not necessarily in an expectation of making a quick buck, but what do you think is worth it?
1: So, as I've alluded earlier, in terms of the defensive over cyclical. Shoprite. Uh, I look at that um, as that's my stock pick. That's a defensive growth story. Uh, it's defensive in this market. It's able to pass on inflation um, to consumer. We don't know where the top is, but they've been able to pass on some of that inflation uh, and grow. Uh, they've got uh, market share that they're winning. They're winning across um, all their brands, their portfolio in terms of moving that portfolio up. Into the checkers and the higher end consumer, and then defending their market share in the lower end uh, part of the consumer, middle and, mar- and 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 lower end of the market. I think they have, they do an incredibly good job there. Focus on returns and um, increasing some of the, the 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 store rollout. They're starting to roll out more stores, responding to what the market is doing. But they're seeing opportunities, and their free cash flow generation is able to actually fund the growth going forward. So long term, we think that this is a Uh, a winning uh, share. Uh, We think it's fairly valued uh, where it is. Uh, The market has given you an opportunity to actually pick up a really, really good um, stock. Positive theme company uh, with an attractive uh, long-term story and um, fairly valued from where it is now.
0: Okay, Graham, how about you?
2: Well, I'll also go with a a retailer, um, but not defensive. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Fushini Group TFG. you know, not long ago it was trading at 150 rand, which I thought wasn't too far from, uh, you know, from fair value. Um, <clears throat> share price has come all the way down to the price where, on you know, if the if the analyst body is correct and we're going to get 11 rand 20 or thereabouts um, for the the year ending March next, that puts it on about a 10 multiple. Um, and as later was saying, you know, it's it's really nice to be able to invest in businesses who are on the fun front foot. They've got a bit of mojo, you know. They've got a plan on how they're going to attack market and how they're going to bring new offerings to the market. And of course, TFG's also got not just SA, but it's got Australia and it's got a, a well-run UK operation. So, mm-hmm. you know, an 10 multiple, very very well-run, good balance sheet, excellent portfolio of businesses. Um, I'll go with TFG.
0: Okay. Gents, thank you so much um, for your insight this evening. Uh, good to speak to you both. Uh, Graham Koerner is from Kuna Perspective, Kailetu Nodada is from Old Mutual Investments, and Zanati is back with Stockwatch tomorrow night, same time, same place. Have a good evening.